What's up, heroes? Welcome to the Producer Life Podcast, Episode 72. With things opening up again in the United States, I'm getting ready to perform live, which has me thinking a lot about DJing. I realized I never reviewed the Digital DJ Tips Complete DJ Course, which I took back in 2019. During the online course, I took nearly 40 pages of notes, and I'm going to distill those down into my most essential and surprising takeaways. The course is taught by Phil Morse, the founder of Digital DJ Tips. He spent 15 years as a DJ in Manchester, England, is an award-winning promoter, and has played at Privilege in Ibiza. He's been teaching about DJing since 2010, and his online school has over 27,000 students. The course is based on his book, Rock the Dance Floor, and at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how to pick up a free copy of his book, so even if you don't want to purchase his course, you can still learn a lot. But first, cue the intro music. really debated about taking this course. Reading over all their material, it seemed to be very focused on traditional DJ controllers, and I was worried it wouldn't translate well into my software of choice, Ableton. I finally decided to do it because they offer a 12-month money-back guarantee, so I figured I don't have anything to lose. In case you haven't heard of them, Digital DJ Tips is the world's largest online DJ school with over 27,000 students. They have dozens of different courses, almost all of which are focused on DJ skills as opposed to production skills. It's run by Phil Morse, a delightful British gentleman who is extremely knowledgeable and very easy to listen to. He's also the primary instructor in most of the courses. The start of the course talks about DJ gear, including laptops, cables, and DJ software. Name a piece of software, and there's plenty of big-name DJs who use it, but the industry standard is Rekordbox. For controllers, he recommends the Pioneer DDJ-400 for entry level or the Pioneer DDJ-1000 because it's the closest to professional club gear. Now, I'm using Ableton and an Akai APC-40 Mark II, so I'll mention throughout this talk how I adapted Phil's materials for my own setup. Next, Phil goes into beat mixing, which he breaks down into three subcomponents. Tempo matching, or getting the speed right, beat matching, or getting the beats to line up, and phrase matching. He mentions that this last one is the hard part. It's all about the phrasing. For example, going from one chorus to the next may not work well, but going from the chorus of one song to the breakdown of another gives you a feel of a logical arrangement. In Ableton, tempo matching and beat matching are handled for you if you use quantization. Mine is set for a quarter bar, so I actually trigger clips a quarter beat earlier than you would doing traditional beat matching. The concept of phrase matching is really where I needed to focus. Phil then demonstrates basic transitions, and there's a bunch of them, including the fade, which is really simple though. That one, you know, you just basically fade out one track over a four, four bar section and then start the next track. But it's an important transition to master because it lets you easily transition between different genres. My big aha moment happened when Phil commented that when you're mixing out of one known track, you need to make sure you're transitioning into another well-known track or you'll kill the vibe of the party. Phil does add that 90% of DJing is picking the right records at the right time, and that if you play great music, people will forgive little mixing errors. 
And you don't necessarily have to beat mix. You can cut mix, fade out, etc. There's a lot of different ways to transition between tracks. Phil talks about creating hot cues and generally recommends placing your hot cues at the intro of the song, the first kick drum, the breakdown, the next or the last drop, and then the outro. In Ableton, you can replicate hot cues by creating new clips of the same song with different starting points. Phil then talks about effects that are tied to the beat, things like delays, echoes, reverbs, flangers, filters, etc. Phil advises finding effects that you like and then being careful not to abuse them. Another big insight happened here. Phil commented that you want to use effects post-fader so they continue even after you bring the fader down. That's really useful when you want to have an echo's tail, for example, continuing after you stop the first track and transition into a new track. That's when I realized that I needed to be creating these effects in a send track in Ableton, not as an insert. That made a huge difference in my Ableton setup. Phil also talks about mixing and key. He comments that mixing and key is a tool, not a rule. I'm not sure where I heard it, but Laidback Luke also commented that if two tracks are in key, it lets him perform a longer mix, but if they're not in key, you just mix quicker. I like to use mixed and key software to, term, to determine the keys of my tracks, and I regularly try to mix in key. If you'd like to know more about how I prepare tracks in Ableton, check out episode 16. Recording your sets is critical to improving, and Phil talks about a couple of different ways you can do this with both hardware and software. This is another area where Ableton really shines, because you can record your entire set with automation and see exactly where you made mistakes. Phil's favorite method is with a dedicated external recorder like the Tascam DR5. Record your set, then wait 24 hours and listen to it. Take notes on what worked and what didn't. Phil also talks about mixing with acapellas and offers a variety of places to get them. I offered some thoughts back in episode 5. One technique I thought was interesting was using acapellas as a transition tool. You basically start an acapella over one track and one BPM, then you fade out the old instrumental piece of the track while the acapella plays solo during a chorus or something that the audience is likely to sing along with. Gradually change your BPM while only the acapella is playing, and then start the new instrumental track under the acapella. He also comments that rap acapellas work well over just about any instrumental track, and that it's a good idea to practice these creative transitions ahead of time. Phil then talks about gigging in various venues, from bars to weddings to festivals. One of the things he mentioned that resonated with me is that how you have to play differently depending on the venue. For example, playing at a club, you're the center of attention, and you've probably got tracks for early evening, peak hours, and after hours, so it's, it's sort of sequential, it's linear. In a bar or lounge, in a small bar or lounge anyway, you have to think that you're not the center of attention, you're there to add to the vibe. People are also constantly coming and going, so Phil recommends doing a more circular rotation of many sets of 10 to 15 minutes in a particular genre. You also don't want to play your music too loudly because people are there to talk. Phil has a big section about reading crowds, which was also really helpful. A couple of tips. Uh, he talks about starting by doing your homework and research on the venue so that you know something about the patrons. If you're a multi-format DJ, try Genre Battleship early on, where you test out different genres and see which ones resonate. 
look for people tapping their feet and nodding their heads. In particular, try to get girls dancing early, because if you get the girls on the dance floor, the boys are going to follow. Watch the center of the floor early on, and then once the floor is filled, watch for the edges and try to get those other people involved. He also has a unique perspective on requests. Listen to them, but react to patterns of requests, not individual songs. Also remember to check with whoever booked you to see if they have a particular policy about taking requests. Phil also talks about marketing, including DJ names, branding, and social media. Think about your minimal viable product, what you need to get started. He recommends a one-page website, an email sign-up form, one DJ mix, which ought to be on Mixcloud because that's the legal place to post them, Instagram, Facebook, and a promo photo. For social media, he recommends a rule of thirds. One-third talking about yourself, one-third sharing other people's stuff, and one-third replying and engaging. Finally, he talks about getting your first gig and mentions two ideas. One is to take the role of a promoter and create your own event, like Lauren Hardy did with Bass Night Orlando way back in episodes three and four. Another is to go offer your services at unconventional venues that haven't booked DJs before. Identify their problem and offer a solution. When figuring out payment, he recommends saying something like, my usual fee is, insert the highest amount you think you can get away with, but I'll do it tonight for $1. Always ask for something. Then, after you ask the question, shut up. Wait for them to respond. If they say they need to think about it, get their phone number and tell them that you'll follow up, and then do. The course is about $200, but Phil offers a one-year money-back guarantee, which is plenty of time to try it out and see if you, you got enough value out of the course. I wound up keeping it and not requesting a refund because even though I use Ableton, there was plenty of material which was applicable to what I'm doing. If you just want an introduction to Phil and the Digital DJ Tips team, they have a ton of free content on their YouTube channel and their website. And Phil has begun offering his Rock the Dance Floor book as a free PDF download. I'll have a link to that in the show notes page at producerlifepodcast.com, episode 72. You can learn a lot of the stuff from the book, but the videos in the course were really helpful for learning this stuff, and his online community is also very active. If you found this review helpful, please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. If you'd like to see how I'm applying it, check out my live streams on YouTube at youtube.com slash house ninja music, or you can listen to my cleaned up mixes on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash house ninja music. Until next week, this is the house ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today.